Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Oh, you afflicted, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires. That is Isaiah 5411. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm Sandra Flack, so thankful to be with you today. I hope you're having a great day, a great week, a great summer. But if not, well, we're all on this journey together, right? Maybe our kids are at different ages and stages, but I'm here for you. This podcast is here for you. Our support group is here for you. We need each other on this journey. And I pray that you're not isolated, but that you are connecting with other parents who are parenting kids from hard places too. Uh, Speaking of kids from hard places... I've got a few. Um, I don't have an update on how our family engagement party went yet. I know I talked about that on the last episode. Um, I shared that, but I'm actually recording this episode the day before the party. Um, So you'll have to wait until the next episode to find out um, how our son went. But he he does have uh, a support person who will be taking him out for a few hours during the day so that he doesn't have to be in the midst of that large crowd and, and dealing with all of that. So stay tuned still. Um, I do want to share that I am so proud to announce that our JFO uh, nonprofit is a proud platinum sponsor of Run FASD again this year. The annual event is raising awareness about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, FASD, and we are working to make this invisible disability visible. You can join participants across the country by creating a team in your community. You can run, you can walk. I assure you, I will be walking and not running, Um, but some people run, right? Um, You can push a stroller, you can do it as a family with your kiddos, uh, wherever you are, wherever you live. Uh, You can visit runfasd.org to learn more. You can create a team um, or you can just do it. Use the hashtag RunFASD. If you sign up, you can actually register anywhere from $5 to $35. And depending on, you know, what you want to spend and the the funds go to to FASD United, the national organization for FASD. Um, But you can get a t-shirt, you can get the running bib, you can get a a participant medal, any, all of those things or none of those things, whatever you want to do, Um, But we encourage you to step out during the month of September, which is FASD Awareness Month. Use the hashtag, post your pictures on social media, get involved, register if you really want to show your numbers and show your support that way. Um, But JFO is a proud platinum sponsor and I'm thrilled. We are doing a local um, in the capital region where I live in upstate New York, we are doing a local event on September 10th. 
um, which is a Sunday. It is at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, so it's after church. Um, and we're doing that, um, and you can check out our website, justicefororphansny.org, to find out the details on that. But we're doing that along with um, Rebecca Tallou. Our, she is the, the brain behind Run FASD, and she is an adult living with an FASD. She's an amazing advocate. So I'm going to be at the local event on September 10th. Rebecca will be there. Our families will be there. Um, come on out and show your support and represent for FASD. Learn more at both runfasd.org, also the Justice for Orphans website. You can get details as well. And our social media. Follow it all on our social media. You'll get it there too. So anyway, we have an amazing resilient guest with us today. I cannot wait for you to meet her. But first, check out these announcements. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. I just love our support group. Um, and I actually have a testimony from one of the members of the Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community. Deb says, I have been a regular participant and cannot imagine life without the community and support you and all the others in our group bring to my life. We support each other, share strategies and resources, pray for one another, share our struggles and wins and praises. Each VIP guest has brought more knowledge and many aha moments and proven strategies to our group. I hadn't known before joining this group how much I needed this community. It is truly a gift to me, which brings me a smile and the feeling of a warm embrace from the Lord. Wow, such wonderful words from one of our members, Deb, um, who just contributes so much to our group herself. Um, and I know Natalie and I feel exactly the same way. So I hope you'll check it out. You know, don't go this journey alone. We are here to support you, whether or not your children have a diagnosis of an FASD, if you just suspect it, um, join us because you, we are here. We are your community. We are your people. So I'm grateful for that community. Um, also, I hope you'll check out uh, some online workshops coming up. I am offering a one-hour intro to FASD, which is basically the same the same presentation I do as a lunch and learn. It's a one-hour free intro to FASD on Thursday, August 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And if you want a little bit more, goes a little bit deeper. We have a three-hour presentation. Um, so it's, it's, it's the, the intro is not a prerequisite because we're going to cover the same stuff in the three hour that we do in the intro, but a little bit more and you, you get three hours worth of content. 
uh, and you it's interactive and live so you get to actually ask questions and and um, interact so that one is on the three hour we're trying it out on a Saturday so it is a three hour um, intro to FASD using the facets neurobehavioral model that is on Saturday morning August 19th 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time we do offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops and if you are a social worker licensed in New York State we offer CEUs as well to register for these workshops or to check out all of our available trainings visit our website, justicefororphansny.org. You can click register to register for one of the two that I, the two that I mentioned, um, or just click on training and scroll down and you'll see all of the different options that are available for in-person online. If you're interested in having me come and do an in-person with your group um, or your families, uh, your agency, I'm available for that as well as doing online trainings. And there's a link in the web, in the show notes to our website as well, so you can find it pretty easily. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast or follow it, whatever the you know your platform that you listen to podcasts. However, it works there. Uh, become a follower or, or a subscriber so you don't miss a single episode, and so other adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers can easily find the show and be encouraged and equipped too. Before we, uh, before we meet our guest today, I had a note here because we are going to be discussing a very sensitive topic, which is child sexual abuse. So if you have little ones around you, or if you or someone within earshot may be triggered by this topic, you should pause the episode and listen at a later time when there's no little ears around or when you feel like you're in a, a place um, where you can listen to this episode um, safely, securely, um, where you know you have that understanding that you're going to be prepared for, for what you hear in case that in case it's a trigger for you. Um, so now to our guest. Angela Williams is an international leader in the fight against child sexual abuse. As a passionate advocate for children and adult survivors, Angela is constantly invited to speak and write on the issue. She has appeared on Raising America, CNN's Headline News, In Session TV, CBN's The 700 Club, NPR and AFR, and many other local and national media outlets. Angela is an ordained minister and has a master's degree in forensic psychology. She has received such prestigious awards as the 2007 Hearing Children's Voices Award by Safe Path Advocacy Center, the 2011 Woman of Influence by Life Changers Club International, the 2013 Honorary Unsung Heroine Award by Saving Our Children and Families, the 2014 Trinity Cruelty Prevention Award, the 2014 Ruby Seroptimist Award with the Diamond Heart Award by Diamond in the Rough. In 2015, she was inducted into YWCA's Women of Achievement Academy and named Unstoppable Executive Woman of the Year in 2016. Wow, what a resume. Angela herself is a survivor of child sexual abuse, 
Today, her passion is to see survivors set free from the pain and shame of child sexual abuse and to live their destiny of purpose and peace. Please welcome Angela Williams. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sandra. I am so excited to have you on the show today. I have read your book, From Sorrows to Sapphires, Freedom from Shame of Child Sexual Abuse, and words cannot express the nightmare that you lived through as a child um, and the healing that you've experienced as an adult. And so would you share a little bit about your story without giving it all away because I want to recommend your book to our listeners. You've got to get the book to, you'll be riveted to your story. Um, so not to recount the whole entire story, but let's let, let, let's unpack some of it, starting with how old were you when the abuse began? Sandra, I was, uh, I don't really have a memory. Um, I have one memory before I, I that overwhelming shame was in my body and just backing up of where we were and where we were living. I was about three years old um, of my first um, memories and the abuse started with just an overwhelming physical and emotional abuse to, to gain power over me. And the sexual abuse just intensified from age three. I can just remember every Every week, something would else would happen or he would do something else. And it was my stepfather who was my abuser. So to make a very long story short, I lived in a minefield of, of war and hell and um, all sorts of um, mind um, altering, uh, brainwashing, uh, just abuse from the time I was three to 17 um, and my um, my mother, my family, teachers, pediatricians. Um, that's really why I'm so passionate today to educate people. But they all look the other way. Um, either they didn't have the courage to intervene. They didn't have the tools to intervene. They didn't know what to say or do. But it was obvious, it, even if you didn't recognize the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the signs, the bruises, the cuts, the trips to the hospital, all those were um, very prominent um, throughout my childhood. So I am, uh, I say, a survivor uh, turned victor um, over my abuse. But um, my story is one that is not uncommon uh, here in our, in, in the world. It's not even our country in the world. It's not uncommon that a child is sexually abused behind closed doors for multiple years. Yeah. And so from three to 17, right? Yes. That that is just 14 years of, of, of living a nightmare, essentially. Um, how did that end? Like at 17, what happened to cause that the abuse to stop? How did you get out of that? There was an impetus. My stepfather just had an explosion, uh, just a very violent explosion. And I think something inside of me just snapped. I, I had begun, you know, really at probably age 12 or 13, just every year I would try to make a plan to escape and um, they would kind of blow up in my face. But at this moment, I just snapped and said, I'm not going to be abused anymore. And um, it wasn't like I snapped with courage. I actually snapped with an enormous amount of weakness. And it was probably one of the darkest times of my life when I tried to commit suicide. So I ran away that night um, just, I think in shock, I think I, my body, my mind was all in shock because 
as I as I attempted suicide and praise God, He saved my life. Just thank you, Jesus. Um, as I attempted those made those suicide attempts, that there was a deep longing inside of me just to be free, just to live, just to be free. But I didn't know there was another option. I knew I could never go home. I knew He would kill me. So I just thought death was the only option that night. And so. Um, Praise God. He saved my life. And every day has been a step toward the light and a step toward healing and a step toward uh, victory. Yes. Praise God, because that you, you detail those events in your book. And um, like I inter- I've spoken with you before I read your book. So going, you know, being on the edge of my seat, like I know that you survived. <laughs> but going through that night with you was you know, I was rooting for you to survive, even though I knew you did because I had spoken with you, but and you read and you wrote the book, but um, definitely divine intervention there. And you, you point that out um, in the book. Uh, as you already mentioned over the years, you did try to tell people and nobody, nobody seemed to want to listen. And, and maybe you could at least share about what happened the time you told you told your teacher you were raped. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I told, I think it was fourth grade, third grade, I had taken a bottle of vitamin A's, uh, just vitamins, and I told my teacher I had taken a bottle of vitamins the year before to to die. And um, they brought my parents in and parents said, she's just a really dramatic child. She's just trying to get attention. This is just her way of of trying to get attention. So the next year I had um, learned this word rape from soap operas. So I thought that's what's happening to me. Um, I'm going to tell. So I told my fourth grade teacher and again, they marched my parents in. And again, um, they insisted that I was lying and that I was a child that lied consistently and made things up and that I could not be trusted or believed. And um, that night, my stepfather just made sure I would never open my mouth again. The The abuse on myself was horrific, but he then abused my mom and it was my fault. So I took on that responsibility of her torment and torture. Wow. Um, so I sealed my lips and I didn't try to tell again. I just lived with it. Yeah. Now, now today, school teachers are mandated reporters Right. So back then, they are. back then, I don't know if that was the case back then, but there wasn't an investigation. They didn't, they didn't. No. Yeah. No. Laws have changed yeah. uh, to, to our favor. Laws have changed, but they're still not strong enough. And children cry out with other ways other than verbally. Yeah. Uh, so really, teachers, doctors need an enormous amount of training to be able to be suspicious and recognize signs and symptoms. And I just don't think there's being enough, enough is being done uh, to train them. Wow. Yeah. Because that that's just it. If a child is courageous enough, like you were to say something, they need to be believed. And it needs to be investigated. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners, um, or some of our listeners, at least maybe are parenting children who maybe did tell and a teacher or someone did listen. And that's how they got removed from their home. Because that if, 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 if the teacher followed through, and if it, there was an investigation and, and you were believed, that's probably what would have happened. You probably would have been removed and placed in foster care way back then. No, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. Our, our system is broken. Sometimes they return the child with a safety plan that's no more than an alarm on a door and a, and a parent that signs a safety plan. So our system is very broken, especially when it comes to child sexual abuse. And it seems to be the 
um, the prominent motive um, and motivation to keep the family together at all costs. Because as you know, there are so few foster care homes. Yeah. Foster care it is, there's no place for the children. So they think, oh, they're better off here than they are at the next in the next location. So right. another problem in our system. Yeah, because the, the, the trend now really is family preservation and trying to not remove children at all costs. But one would think that putting the child's best interest in their safety, if it comes to allegations of abuse, that, that they would be taken out of the home because that would be... Sandra, one would think. <laughs> one would think. One would think. One would think. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, in my work of 20 years, um, I have really seen the system fail children time and time again. Yeah. So why don't people listen to children when they tell? They're terrified. Yeah. They're terrified of the subject. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. Um, sometimes they know the family, and this is a good upstanding family. How could be sexual abuse be going on? So they rationalize uh, their their own fears and their own responsibility away. Um, and I, I think that they kind of don't trust the system either. So they think, well, maybe this child's better off being abused and getting in the system, you know? Um, so there are a lot of reasons, but I do think fear is the overwhelming arching um, reason that people don't address this. They have their own sometimes sexual abuse history that they've never dealt with. Yeah. Um, just so many reasons, so many reasons. Wow. But uh, my mother um, in particular just um, was abused herself. She was in a place of being uh, just a great deal of trauma in her life every day. So she wasn't strong enough to protect herself. So she wasn't strong enough to protect me. Mm, yeah. And, and I'm sure often that could be the case. Um, but had someone believed you or discovered what was really happening, you would likely have been probably removed from the home and placed in foster care. Like I said, okay. most of our listeners, adoptive and foster parents, they may be raising mm -hmm. children who were sexually abused before coming to them. Um, I, I looked up some numbers and I believe it's around 80%. And, and you may have more accurate numbers, but I found numbers that said 80% of kids in foster care have been sexually abused. Now it's a, another whole topic when sometimes the abuse happens in a foster home. That's another another sure. topic too, right? But before coming into foster care, right? Um, so it's an extremely relevant topic to our audience. And Angela, you suffered for years in silence. Would you share with us a little bit about um, you know, we, we know that you had that suicide attempt, but from there, what led to your freedom from the abuse? How did you ultimately get out? Um, I never returned that night. I uh, ended up at a friend's house. He her father was an attorney, and he was able to get my emancipation that day, which is a miracle in itself to get in front of a judge and to get my emancipation. So at 17, I was on my own. Uh, this family kept me for a while, but I had a lot of emotional uh, problems and issues and acted out in a number of ways. And that family, every family, I think we're on a continuum, has some level of dysfunction. So they had their uh, their issues. And so I really just bounced around until I graduated from high school, made it to college, and then just climbed my way uh, through numerous jobs and work and um really stuffed the pain as far down as I could stuff it uh, for as long as I could stuff it until it just exploded in my life. Um, and I'm sorry to say I had a second suicide attempt in my 30s um, when my children were young. 
And it just was the intervention of God and the intervention of my husband that I am sitting here today and healthy and whole and healed. Wow. So you, you like you said, you went on to college, you, you really became very independent, right? You were working, yes. you worked very hard, you studied very hard, you had jobs, you were working your way through, you got married, had children. Um, what impact did the sexual abuse have on your relationships? Because you got married, you had children, and, and I could imagine, assume that having children, you might have that fear that something would happen to them that happened to you, um, and so on. So so how did it affect you relationally with others? It affects me in every relationship. And I would especially say intimate relationships with anyone that would get close to me. Um, I had uh, a, an enormous amount of fear. I walked in fear. And when you walked in fear, you don't have a lot of um, you don't have good boundaries. You don't have a lot of power. And then trust. I, I did not trust anyone. Everyone in my life that I ever trusted hurt me. So I built up a lot of walls. And I even built up those walls with my husband. And even after we were married, it took a long time for he, him to tear those walls down. And he tried. And I kept pushing buttons thinking, I'm going to push the right button and push you away because I know eventually you're going to fail me too. You're, you're not going to stand in the gap for me. And he proved me wrong. And I think he modeled and he was the hands and feet of Jesus to know that Jesus is never going to leave me nor forsake me. Mm. So I really feel, I really feel like children, because uh, I've seen this time and time again, we deal with an enormous amount of fear, an enormous amount of trust issues, an enormous amount of shame. And that shame becomes a part of your personality. And you really have to realize, because if you stay in that shame, you become narcissistic or you become codependent or there's so many personality disorders, the borderline personality disorders, the push, the pull, the erratic outburst. I mean, children have a lot of trauma to overcome. Mm -hmm. And it's like an onion. You just have to keep peeling away the pieces of the onion and and hand that over to Jesus to heal that piece. And then there's another piece and then there's another piece until finally you get to a point where, you know, we are all trying to from glory to glory to get more and more like Jesus. So we're never perfect, but you get to a place where you feel like, Oh, I'm finally on the other side. Mm, so, wow. So I remember that day distinctly when I, my woke up and my pillow wasn't wet from tears. Wow. So, and you've kind of started to touch on this, but I really wanted, because healing, healing does not happen overnight. Like you just said, there's layers, like with an onion in each layer, you have to give to the Lord and you have to kind of walk through that process and deal with it. So, so what are some of those things along your journey that helped you come to this place of healing? I would say just being totally surrendered to Jesus Christ, just giving him every single piece of my life, my mind, my body, um, my trauma. Uh, I love the um, story in the Bible where the woman had been bleeding for eight years. And I so relate to her because she was she was very much ashamed. She was ostracized. Um, she had dealt with a lot of trauma, but her, her she believed in her heart she could be healed. So I think it starts with believing. So I think something clicked inside of me that I believed that I can, I don't have to walk in this torment and torture and um, drama. I can get to the other side. So I believed it. And then I just started reaching for Jesus as hard as I could reach for him. 
And I think I touched his hem. And I think when I touched his hem, just it opened up the journey of healing that I've been walking ever since. And I, if I now I can recognize um, unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy behaviors, and I can take that to the Lord because I'm not perfect. And say, God, I've, I've had these thoughts creeping in. And I have to say, Satan, get behind me because, you know, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10. And we have to constantly be on guard and know that he will use our trauma and use our past to attack us in the future and to try to steal our peace and our joy. So if your listeners, you just have to hold on to Jesus, claim the word over your life, claim his promises over your life, stay in prayer, stay in praise and worship music, stay in a body of, of, of believers, our church, and never give up, like never give up. Yeah. Did you, what about counseling and therapy, that kind of stuff? Did you pursue healing in that way too? Yeah, I went through, I've gone through um, counseling um, at my second um, darkest and deepest moment. I, we have a mental hospital here called Charter uh, Peachford. And so I did intensive therapy with Charter. Um, later in my years, I have gravitated more towards Christian counselors um, and have gone through some inner healing um, and deliverance and have uh, gone to Christian retreats and have stayed um, um, in the word. And I think all of that has helped. I don't, I think our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And I think we see it as a sign of weakness. And to me, it's a sign of maintenance. Yeah. I gotta get my tune up. You know, it's, it's not weakness. So I think we need to change that conversation for sure. But um, yes, I'm a huge proponent of mental health. Yeah, the whole, the whole inclusive package, you know, and of course, Jesus at the center, right of the whole thing. And so much of it is a battle in the mind, like you were, you were referring to, and believing what God speaks over us and not what the enemy is accusing us of. So um, such wonderful insight there. I was just going to say, we can be our worst enemy yes. sometimes in our thoughts, minds. We have to take those thoughts captive yes. and uh, speak truth. Absolutely. And deny those lies. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about the work that you're doing in the fight against child sexual abuse and as an advocate for children and adult survivors. So Angela's Voice is a ministry that provides um, resources for child sexual abuse prevention and healing. And what you kind of see behind me, and I know your listeners are listening, so they can go to angelasvoice.com slash resources. And I've published 15 books. So you'll find my memoir there. You'll find my new book that'll be released in September called Loving Me After Abuse. And then I have all types of resources and training guides to help parents learn how to um have conversations with their children, um, learn what a predator looks like, what their motives are, uh, learn more about the issue, learn the signs and symptoms. I have a great children's series called Find Your Voice, and it's very innocently written. It does not address the issue at all of sexual abuse, but it does address the power of our voice, the power of personal boundaries, and the power of self-confidence. So those are three tools that parents can teach their children that would help protect them and help prevent child sexual abuse. And then I have a curriculum that goes along with that called Find Your Voice. So it's fun activities to reinforce those messages. 
And then, of course, we have the healing, uh, faith-based healing program for survivors. And I just would encourage if there is a survivor listening that is wounded and hurt and um, just experiencing maybe uh, addiction at some level or trauma where they feel just in constant torment, um, anxiety, anxiousness, depression, to please visit the website and get my books. And they will have a tremendous impact on their healing journey. Mm, I love that. And we will put a link uh, to your website, angelasvoice.com in our show notes. Um, Angela, as I mentioned, our listeners are adoptive foster parents, kinship caregivers. Many are likely raising children who were sexually abused. Um, the, you know, that may be why the kids even came into care, right? Um, sometimes right. kids come in and we don't even know. I know that was the case with one of my kids. It was years before she was able to say something um, about abuse that happened to her before she came to us. I remember thinking, oh, that actually now makes sense because of all this other stuff we were seeing. I just didn't realize or, or think of it. So what are the signs that parents and caregivers should be looking for signs of um, sexual abuse uh, so that that would help us to maybe know or, or figure out that our ch- one of the kids we're raising may have been victimized? Well, if you're, if the child comes to you and has already been um, sexually abused, I would say that there would be a tremendous amount of self-harm. That's a really good sign. Um, they are, uh, maybe they're bedwetting, maybe they're um, trying to cut themselves, burn themselves. Um, and then irrational outburst, um, cause they don't know what to do with all of this hurt and this pain. And if you are suspicious, I would say just a, a, a drastic change of behavior that you can't explain. And that might not be when you have a child coming to you, kind of don't know their past patterns, but just um, unusual behavior that just this makes no sense. I think the light bulbs should go off. Um, Oftentimes, children who've been sexually abused carry an enormous amount of shame and they won't look you in the eye. Um, That's another really good sign. Um, They have a, a attachment disorder. They have a hard time trusting you and opening up to you and getting close to you. Um, and children have, uh, could experience depression, anger, uh, not be doing well in school, um, attention deficit disorder. They cannot, uh, can't hold their attention. Um, so these are just some of the signs and symptoms. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, definitely. I think that's, you know, I, I can think of children that I've encountered and, and, you know, those are very classic signs and, and so important for us to recognize that it could be not a not a child coming in with a behavioral issue, right? Because sometimes that's just that this child has behavior issues that we need to fix. Those behavior issues mm-hmm. are often symptoms of something else going on. And I want to caution our listeners, oftentimes when a child's going through puberty, it'll be written off as, oh, these are just hormones acting out, or this is just the puberty phase. I want to be, we want to be really careful that we don't categorize signs of child sexual abuse as just um, the, the, you know, the, the uh, adolescent phase. Yeah, definitely. It would, it would, puberty and the adolescent phase would definitely create a whole new host of things going on 
if there had been child sexual abuse. And the average age that a child is abused is eight years old, if that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So pivoting just a little bit, I really wanted to get the scripture that I opened with. I read um, Isaiah 5411. Uh, let me just read it again. Oh, you afflicted, storm tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones in fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires. What does that verse mean to you? Um, so as you read in the book, sapphires became just a, an important part of my healing journey. But what it means to me is even though I am storm tossed, even though I'm not perfect, even though I am hurting, that God has a great plan for my life. And that life is a foundation. So it's a firm foundation that I that undergirds me and that will never fall from because um, that foundation is the most beautiful foundation and design that God could ever have for my life. And I can't think of another, a more beautiful foundation than I just see a floor of sapphires yeah. in my, and it's very, the imagery of that just comes alive to me. Beautiful. And that's the title of your book, From Sorrows to Sapphires, Freedom from Shame of Child Sexual Abuse. Uh, where can our listeners find a copy of your book? Uh, they can go to my website, angelasvoice.com slash resources. Um, it's also available on Amazon, but at, at angelasvoice.com slash resources, they can see the whole cat collection of books. Yeah, and we're going to definitely put that link in our show notes because I, I've been on to your website. It's definitely worth it. You have some amazing, wonderful resources that I highly recommend um, for for our listeners, for them to use with the children that they're caring for, or maybe for themselves if that's necessary. Um, so I'm just so grateful for all that you are doing and all that you have to offer um, to help promote that healing for those who have been experienced this horrific um, child sexual abuse. Just there's no words. Um, Angela, as we wrap up, and I, I feel like I could talk with you forever. <laughs> as we wrap up, though, what advice would you give to our listeners about how to better care for and meet the needs of our kids who may have experienced child sexual abuse? Well, it really starts with unconditional love that is uh, going to be difficult at times when that child's not going to be lovable or feel lovable or return um, your affection. So I think it just starts with knowing that this is a journey. You're, you're in this battle for their hearts and for their minds and for their souls and for their spirit and their spirit has been so wounded. So I guess that would be, I guess if I had one word, it would be unconditional love that that's consistent and to try to help them remove that shame, that, that shame-based um, identity needs to be freed um, and, and move into freedom. And that can be done by consistently telling them that this was not their fault, that what happened to them you know, a person made a bad choice to sin against them and to take something so precious, which was their innocence, and let them know that that innocence can be restored. It's not something that's gone forever, but they have to make a conscious effort um, to make right choices, to make the best choices. Because so often children do reoffend when they've been sexually abused. They do, they are drawn toward pornography, they are drawn toward that opens that door to perversion. So parents really need to realize that and not judge them and not condemn them, but keep giving them the what's right in God's eyes. Yeah, because you you went through all of those years of your abuse, you were believing it was your fault. 
Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's the twist. Part of the twisted part of this is the child feels like it's their fault that they, and that's where a lot of the shame comes from. Yes. And the perpetrators uh, just reinforce that consistently. So that message is almost brain, when I said brainwashed in the beginning, you are brainwashed as a child uh, to believe lies. And it takes a long time to undo those lies and to know what truth is. And it's only by someone holding your hand and consistently telling you what truth is. Mm. Such wisdom, such wisdom. Anything else as we wrap up, Angela, that you want to share with our audience? Yes, we are. um, Angela's Voice is going to be hosting a conference called Time to Heal. It's specific to child sexual abuse and child trauma, not not just sexual abuse, but the trauma. Uh, So a child with an orphan spirit, uh, because in my life I was neglected, I was abandoned, I was um, left by my biological father, um, I experienced emotional, physical, sexual abuse. I feel like I can speak to the uh, continuum Mm -hmm. of abuse. So we're just going to have a time. It's going to be at Dwelling Place Church in Woodstock, Georgia. So if your listeners want to join us, it's September 30th, and it will be from 6 to 8 in the evening. And we are going to walk through some inner healing specific uh, to child abuse. Mm, That is wonderful. And you'll be, will you be sharing that on social media, something that we can share? Yes. Yes. And, uh, and so actually yesterday. All right. And is that Angela's voice? Is that your social? It's Angela's slash events. And they can see all of our upcoming events there. And on Facebook, is that, or Facebook, Instagram, are, is that at Angela's voice? Angela's voice. Everything's Angela's voice. So you can do Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's all Angela's voice. Definitely. We're going to make sure Twitter. our listeners know that because that would be, and that's an in-person conference. It's not a virtual, correct? I, I host that person. It's in person. person. Yes. I feel I'm an in-person yeah. kind of girl. I love um, the, the contact and um, they will need to register. Seating is limited. I'm going to take the first 100 registered. Wow. Incredible. And is this an annual conference that you do? It yes. Is. We're going to do it in the spring and the fall every year. Wonderful. Wonderful. So that is a time to heal. Yes. And it is for survivors of abuse. Of child abuse. And yeah. trauma. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. So we'll make sure our listeners know about that too. Thank you so much, Angela, for for first of all, transparently and vulnerably sharing your story, your book is a must read. um, And and for sharing today and for all that you're doing um, on behalf of uh, child uh, sex abuse survivors, victims of trauma, um, incredible, vital work. Um, Thank you so much. And thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a joy. It was an honor. Thanks so much. Wow. Thank you for listening to the adoption and foster care journey today. I hope you were inspired by Angela's story. Um, She and I had such a great conversation afterward um, when we when we stopped the recording part of this. Um, and I got to chat with her for a little bit and talk a little bit more in depth about some of those resources. They are faith based um resources and um, that you can find on her website, workbooks and things that, um, you know, if, if you've got, if you know of someone who was sexually abused as a child, if you know of someone, uh, maybe you are that person and you want to experience some healing finally, um, or because there's, there are layers to healing. And just because maybe we've experienced 
some healing doesn't mean that everything's healed. And one of the things that Angela and I were just talking about, she said like 30, age 30, things start to kind of get out of whack again. And, and it becomes evident that more healing needs to take place. So, um, you know, just check out her website, angelasvoice.com. She's got incredible, wonderful resources there that I hope you'll check out. Um, her book as well. Um, such an incredible book. I read it. It was one of those books that you just could not put down. Um, the title of the book is From Sorrows to Sapphires, Freedom from the Shame of Child Sexual Abuse. And it is written um, eloquently, beautifully, um, transparently, um, and, and, and it's, but again, trigger warning because it is about child sexual abuse and it is about suicide. Um, so you want to make sure that you read it before you would pass it off to, um, you know, a, a child or a young adult or someone in your care, not a child, but, um, you know, it, it would be beneficial, um, to read. So I do recommend it. There is, um, she talks about her faith all through that. She, you know, there's scripture in there all through there she references and um, such an incredible story. I hope that you will check it out. Um, she is such an inspiration to me um, and I'm sure she will be to you. Uh, and in, in addition to inspiring you, we also like to equip you for your parenting journey. Um, so Angela's got some great resources. If you are parenting, caring for a kiddo who was um, sexually abused or um, maybe you're suspecting, um, you can check out her resources at angelasvoice.com. Um, but if you'd like to learn more about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, because also um, more than 80% of children in foster care and adoptive placements um, have been prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, most of the time, we don't know because they are not diagnosed, super hard to get a diagnosis, but uh, we offer lots of resources here um, through our website, justicefororphansny.org. In addition to this podcast, we have workshops that you can take on FASD um, that's great for parents and caregivers and anyone interacting with our children, um, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, school teachers, grandparents, babysitters, and so on, adult children. Um, for those of us like me who have adult biological children who don't quite understand their younger siblings who may have an FASD, um, we've got lots of resources, including the, the support group. So um, check out our website, justicefororphansny.org for all of those resources. There's a link in the show notes that you can find it easily. Um, and if you're if you're wanting a conversation with me about this, maybe you'd like to schedule a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call. Maybe you'd like some consultation, some um, instead of a group workshop that I do, I do in-person and online workshops, but maybe you want something more personalized and one-on-one. -on -one. We're starting to do those kinds of things. So you can contact me directly if you're looking for something more of a one-on-one. -on -one. My email address is Sandra Flack, with an H, F-L-A-C-H, at justicefororphansny.org. So I hope you will reach out to me. Remember the Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community. Um, it's another way that we can walk with you through your parenting journey. Um, details are also on our website. And again, if you enjoyed the show, 
please subscribe or follow it. Let your friends know so that they can be encouraged and equipped as well. Find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. You can find and follow me, Sandra Flack, there as well. And again, I am so grateful that you spent your valuable time with us today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.